I've built a good reputation, I think, because I'm, you know, been here and I'm from here. I was here before the art boom. I was here before it was cool, really. I was here when we were putting up tents and I was here when the shows got bigger and I've just been a fixture. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. You know how it goes. You're the artist. You make your work. You stay honest and consistent. And then you earn the trust of the people. Just like our guest today, Mr. Clayton Singleton, they'll start to trust you just to do what you do when it comes time for them and they need that that great picture of grandma. <laughs> that one thing that make everything look good, Joe. We talked to Clayton about that. His paintings are full of stories and adinkra symbols, colors and layers. And his practice is based on his passion for art and for the people. So when people need a painting of somebody that they love, and they're looking to get that good stuff. They want them colors. They want them symbols. They want all that little stuff. <laughs> they know where to go. They know who to talk to. So this season, I'm ta- asking people about their business, the business of art, like how they keep it going. And so we get into how my man Clayton handles his commissions and, you know, all that good stuff that goes along with it. The inspiration. And of course, we break down the artwork because that's what I love to do. And so I hope you love it, too. And we're going to get into it right here on The Noise. So, yes, this Studio Noise, the voice of black art, giving you the very best in black contemporary art. There are a lot of art talk shows on the Internet. <laughs> you can find them everywhere, but only one is going to get you to get that art and that soul and that funk, that all that good stuff that you need in your life. That comes from the melanated people and the culture that we make. And we giving it to you, giving you all the insights, the ins and outs, the inspirations. All that good stuff to keep you inspired in the studio and keep making that noise, baby. Keep making that noise. I want to see more of it. So you can check us out at studionoisepodcast.com. Check out our amazing archive of artists. I mean, we're talking Vanessa German, Latoya Hobbs, Evita Tizano. Everybody's doing that good big stuff out there in the world. Big shout outs to them and all the success that they're having. And so we got all these people that you want to know and people that you need to know that go along with it. Like my man Clayton today. And so you can support the show if you like what you hear for the, I mean, I'll give you the free 99 stuff, the free 99, just follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, write us review, let everybody know about the noise. That's all you got to do. Don't cost you nothing. But if you got it, <laughs> if you got it, you can join our Patreon, yo, the link is in the show notes and every little bit that you give helps me keep the show going. And I sure do appreciate it. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And of course, if you're on IG, you can follow us at, at Studio Noise Podcast. But right now, you got a little second, you got a quick second. Why don't you just go ahead and DM your personal friend? The last one you sent, who the last one you sent a DM to? DM that person. <laughs> Tell them they need to know. They need to hear this great conversation with amazing artists. And so share the images. Tell your people. Let them know after the break. We got Virginia's own Clayton Singleton right here on the noise, baby. We back. It's the noise. Yes. 
Hilton 5 team, fine artists, and you are listening to Studio Noise. All right, it's Studio Noise, your boy Jay Barber coming back at you, the voice of black art, bringing you the very best in black contemporary art from all around. Now we're going to head up to the VA area, talk to my man, Clayton Singleton. How you doing, man? Man, I am doing quite well today. I'm doing quite well. How about yourself? Uh, same, man. Same, man. You know, trying to get stuff done around here, man. But so glad to get you on the podcast and talk to you, man. I've been following your art for quite a while now, man. And, you know, I, li- I like the colors. I like all that stuff, man. We're going to get into it as we go. First off, I want to say you got the Soul Finger Project, a group show up at the Portsmouth Art and Cultural Center through June 12th. So as you, Romel, what? Why am I describing it? I should just let you describe it. I should just let you describe it. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Oh, you sure? (laughs) Yeah, it's you, Romel, Jazzier, Anthony Burke Sr., and uh, and Arthur Rogers Jr. All together in one big group show, man. I saw some of the the scenes from IG, man. It looked like it was pretty live out there. Yeah, it's a phenomenal show. I can't stress how important it is to actually work in person right so it's like you know seeing it online it, the work looks beautiful um one of the articles came out this weekend that describes the experience of actually being in the gallery but it's like when you're there it's it is it is just on such another level so i urge anybody who's already in the 757 or in the 804 or this crazy new area code that we just got a couple of weeks ago i don't even know what it's called right now it's 943 or 913 something like that anyway it's definitely go to portsmouth check it out high street get something to eat and just enjoy yourself and just love this life i mean and anybody that wants to fly in you know we've got a few airports we've got like an international airport that's what they call it it's still beautiful <laughs> come on and come through enjoy the show enjoy the show you know? yeah that's what's up man yeah my grandma stay out in richmond man so i used to be all over that area like messing yeah, around a little like bit 90 minutes yeah for sure and so so tell me this like uh i'm not i'm not too familiar with this with the art scene around norfolk and portsmouth and all that kind of places like all i know is Black Black Bike Week at Virginia Beach. That's all I that's all I ever know, right? So so tell people right, out there, man. Right, where, you know what I mean? Yeah, tell people out there what the art scene is like out there, man. Man, the art scene here is vibrant, and it's like you know the word that um, people want to use is uh, diverse, right? But it's all sorts of arts because we have an eclectic mix of people because this area is like so transient. You know, people don't always stay around for like long periods of time. As a result, the art scene has fluctuated. But in the past, like 15 years or so, it's really found its ground, right? Um, Norfolk had its own uh, neon district, which is like the new energy of Norfolk, which is an art-based community. You know, granted, we used to hang out downtown and go to the different clubs and bars and stuff. But now that's like the designated art zone of the entire city. And so they're just pouring tons of money into it to like make sure that everybody can enjoy these arts. Even though for like the past 25, 30 years, we've done things like um, 
Virginia Arts Festival, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Every single city in the area has its own art community. They have their own art cultural centers. We have like nine, nine um, museums in the area. Like it's thriving. It thrives around here, but it's kind of like low key. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it it is something for literally everybody. Something for everybody. They're like festivals like all the time. And so how connected are all y'all out there? We're not as connected as we could be. Right. Um it's funny, Hampton Roads area is much like um Richmond area or as much like Atlanta or Charlotte or um, even New York City in the um sense that there um is a hub city with all of these other cities around it, right? Mm-hmm. Hampton Roads, I would say, is most like in the sense that we have these seven cities just like they have these five boroughs, but as opposed to New York City, we don't operate as one entity, right? So right. it's like it's it's um not as conjoined as it could be. We've like tried it a few times over like the past 40 years, but people don't really want to do that, I don't think, you know? So I think that that is something that we can do better uh, since we have all of these bodies of water that kind of separate us and all these tunnels and bridges. But, you know, we we, we are definitely working on it. Definitely working on it. That's good to hear, man, because I, I think is the one of the benefits, I think, where, that I had kind of living in Atlanta was the art community, like and how much like everybody <clears throat> was kind of not not necessarily on the same accord, but operating and letting other people know <laughs> and, and, and being right and being um inviting people into what they were doing, even if it, if you weren't a part of the group, like you could still be with us. You know what I'm saying? Like we could all just get together and celebrate. And so that kind of camaraderie, I think, is what builds community. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And what's what's um dope is even though we've had this long history in this area of uh, separation due um to these bodies of water. Right. So um for like um folks that don't know, we have the um, Chesapeake Bay, which is huge. Like it's its own ocean almost, right? And we've got all of these rivers. So people have been separated by land and sea basically. Over the years as we've kind of conjoined better and gotten more bridges and tunnels and such, uh, we've shared more information because you don't have to go by ferry anymore to um, get to the other side of the water. Mm-hmm. And and um, it's just allowed it to be more uh, more uh, of a um, synergy to the point that I can have a show in Newport News and people travel from the South Side, right. which, you know, back in the um, MCI days, that was a long distance phone call. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> even, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, literally Hampton is five minutes away, but it was a long distance phone call. Yeah. So, you know, that whole mental separation <clears throat> has... Uh, has um, shrank over these years. And, you know, we're all just trying to work together to keep this arts community thriving and shows and sales and events and just bringing all types of cultures together so that we can all just have our own click, but at the same time, you know, enjoy each other. Exactly, exactly. And so actually this question, one last question about your area, like how, I've been noticing this a lot, but how much uh, is the, public art <clears throat> mural kind of wave like influencing like what goes on in that area because I've, I've seen it's that a lot in Atlanta. yeah i see it in atlanta yeah. a lot and there's a lot of places like doing like these huge 
uh, government-sponsored mural projects. A lot of companies mm-hmm. are now doing big murals for advertisement and stuff like that. So there's a lot of like artwork going on in that kind of space. I would say we were a bit late to the game, but we're here. Um, we didn't have as much sponsored or um, state-sponsored mural activities and whatnot. Whereas now, uh, cities like uh, Virginia Beach, for example, cities like Norfolk, especially, are uh, just pouring tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars into these murals so that it becomes more public. Right. Like I, like I said earlier, we've always had this art scene here, but it's but it just wasn't visible for like the average person. Yeah. You know, you would like have to know that, yeah, um, the Berry Museum is doing this. Um, the Chrysler's doing this. Oh, this is where like the art is. But now it's like these murals have just made it accessible and made it okay to go view. Whereas there was kind of like this cultural slash um, class line of, oh no, I can't go see the Chrysler. That's that's where they have have like the artwork. And it's like <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, whereas the um made it accessible and also acceptable to the public that art is for everybody and it's literally everywhere yeah you know and i think that's like the um, biggest thing is that it just gave people permission to um actually come out and support more artwork man that's good yeah that's good to hear man when i lived in richmond my grandma i used to always uh I'll, you know, and I, you know, lived in uh, the kind of black, you know, South Side area. And right, I always right. remarked on how it wasn't that much color around. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. everything was kind of gray and drab. The grass was dead. You know, man, like you right, know, there was right. a, it was the courthouse <laughs> right. there on the corner. And the courthouse is a big gray stone building. And <laughs> it's kind of like right. that's how everything was. Everything was bland. And so you want to have these areas of color, man, just to give people something to activate their brains. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you give know, little kids want something to activate their brains. I love that. Yeah, because you know, little kids are walking around like in a daze, and nothing like is stimulating them. And so you come home, you're not stimulated. You go to school, it's underfunded, it's not stimulated. So right. <laughs> you gotta. I, I love. I just like the idea that something is happening to give these spaces a little bit more life. You know what I mean? It's like just. Color is popping off the walls, and it's dope too, because it's not just artists. There are, there are like also national artists who are um, putting up murals and whatnot. One of our first big public public in Norfolk was by um, what's his name, Wyland, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that like does the um, ocean scenes with the um, top and the bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He like painted one of the downtown parking garages, right? And people were talking about it, which was dope to me because there, um, I was downtown doing Afram Fest, the um African American Arts Festival, and people weren't talking about that as much as they were talking about the um the um whales on the wall. So, <laughs> so you know. Here we were with thousands of people downtown at um, Tile Point Park, and it happened every single year, but people were talking about the whales on the wall. So that just showed us that when you make it 
people when um you make it visible and viewable people accept it because they now feel a part of it yeah and you know that is what we want you know what i mean no yeah that's that's excellent man that's great stuff man great stuff so let's get it let's get into your work man let's talk about how would you describe your artwork to somebody that just met you Uh, i would say that it would be um pictures of layers of lives that have been lived Hmm. you know my work has like a lot of layering to it and um of course you know portraits of people many of whom i know some some of whom i love and it's just what is the common story that we share and i'm always searching for that through my work and i'm i'm also always trying to show that we have common stories no matter who we are no matter where we live no matter what we look like no matter what our life experience we have some some like um intersection and um we also have overlap Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's important for us to actually realize and not just be as tribal as we can be, but just also know that we're human first. And that's how I approach my work is that, you know, we're human first. And, um, you know, my work is about people achieving their dreams, right? You get to write your own story. You don't have to take the script. You can write your own story. And I really, really, really try to uh, showcase that in my work. Yeah, I I can see that a lot, man. And I would I would say the same thing, man. It's vibrant um, pictures of the people, man. That's what I would say. Like if it was described to me. And so you got like a lot of uh, a lot of symbology that you use into it and a lot of different layers and colors. Um, Tell me, how do you come to incorporate that kind of specific Adinkra symbols and stuff like that into your work? I would say one of the um, greatest influences for that uh, was I was down in Atlanta and met this really dope dude um kevin cole right oh yeah my man so i'm an art teacher right and so from like time to time i would do these workshops and so i needed to do an ap workshop and i'm always showing artist work to my students i had been showing pieces of kevin cole's work to my sculpture kids lo and behold he's doing the workshop just so crazy <laughs> and so i'm like yo i saw the name and which you know it didn't click at first right yeah you know but then then as i'm sitting there i'm like yo, that's the dude from the from the from the wood from from the unbended um, wood right so anyway long um story short you know um i just like ran up on him like yo love your stuff you're dope how can i be down <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean and and um we just had a real cool conversation he um actually invited me out to his studio um i saw his work in person in person and he was explaining to me how he used kente cloths and whatnot Mm -hmm. as part of the um influences for his work and and which i always played around with um symbols anyway because you know everything can be a symbol for something and i was like really into language and really into using lettering and words in my work when i started doing a bit more investigation and i came across a dinkra symbol that i had seen in books but i hadn't really investigated right and 
seeing them on some of the buildings that that were on our um 35th street which was like our african cultural street in norfolk mm-hmm. and but but it's like i hadn't really investigated deeply and so i started investigating and i was like this is perfect symbol symbols for me to use because it's a total visual language i've had language issues all of my life right like you know i have like four different speech impediments and i used to stutter like ridiculously to the point that i would cry sometimes Mm. and and so i'm always interested in that thing that says the most with the fewest things right so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a um visual poetry almost so i really got linked into it started reading up on it more and more and more um met some cool people they actually gave me some um stamps that were going into a museum and so i was like yeah I was, I was like, yeah, can I get some of those? They were like, sure thing. <laughs> and so I was like, are you for real? They're like, yeah. So I just started using them and I got hooked on them and I love the rhythm that they have visually. Mm-hmm. So it all just plays in line with how I think about communication and how I think about language, you know, because it's sound and image all at the same time. And the um, Adinkra symbols do that for me. No, I really, yeah, I really like that, man. That because um, everything that you described about the symbols as you learn about them, if people that don't know, I do suggest you go out, do a little bit of reading just to see, like, kind of what they're describing. Because some of the symbols are not just words, but like ideas, like stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like all yeah. in, in, involved in these one, this one symbol, this one mark that people have made. And so it's a whole language that you have to to learn again, like you were saying. But it it can convey so much do you know what i'm saying exactly exactly do you have a favorite you know, symbol that you use like a lot oh man i would have to say my favorite symbol is the um ram's horns mm. and uh that one you know represents uh humility and strength right that um there is um strength in being humble and it's like an um abstraction of rams butting each other's heads together well if you've ever been in a fight there's really no agreement afterwards after um you bumped heads literally with somebody right or rather figuratively so you don't have to all this rah-rah like not a lot of strength in rah-rah there's force you can like knock something down but you can't hold anything up Mm. right Mm -hmm. and and so i believe that strength is about holding things up strength is about holding things together you know how long it takes to build a building but i can knock it down in a day right you feel me so you know force is so limited and with strength and being humble about that you don't need all that rah-rah so 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 that symbol I've used for years. Um, I even have it tattooed on me. Um, I, um, I like use it as um, part of my um, CSFA logo. Like that's my favorite, I would say, is like my favorite. The one that I use a lot in my work though um, is uh, the um, heart-shaped Sankofa. Mm, yeah. You know, uh, I tend to use that, I don't know, maybe like 20% of the time 
which I think is a lot. That's like one in five almost. <laughs> you know, that's a lot. Yeah. That's like the letter E on the keyboard. You feel me? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that key goes first, right? <laughs> so, so it's like, you know, I, I just really feel as though that's a um, good part of living is learning from one's mistakes. You know, um, you have to do that if you plan on growing. You can't continue doing the same things over and over that aren't working and expect a different outcome, right? So it's like, just like in um, mathematics and um, algebra, when you change the variable, you change the outcome. Absolutely. So I need to learn from my past and I need to get it and I need to keep it with me. I don't need to be hurt by it all the time. I need to remember so that I can do better. And then that allows me to do greater things. And so I think that's a like a really big undercurrent in my life is that I've tried to learn from many of my mistakes. So, you know, can they use it? Yeah, that's fantastic, man. Uh, and so as we continue to discuss your work, I want to bring up an article that was on Black Art in America. Uh, it was called How Poignant Are the Pictures That Portraits Paint um, by Shantae mm-hmm. Robinson. Uh, in, in it, she was mm-hmm. talking about this movement and kind of, I want to say proliferation, but it's kind of, um, more mainstreaming of black figurative work. Um, what do you what do you think about the kind of moment that we're seeing where there are so many more black figurative artists on the market, and that seems to be the more mainstream direction that people have accepted in black work. And you are, for all intents and purposes, a black figurative artist, right? Uh, right. As you're doing it and layering it, like, do you do you feel yourself kind of as part of that moment, or do you see it as like sort of a separate thing? I see myself as part of it, and I feel like it's about time. Mm. Tell me why. The first time I saw black portrait art, I was about seven years old, uh, six or seven. We have the unfortunate um, happenstance of having the Chrysler Museum of Art here. And so Norfolk Public Schools would take us on field trips to the museum all the time, right? So um, I was um, able to see the very first piece uh, by um, Barclay L. Hendricks, you know, Slick, which mm. is like a self-portrait gig, yeah, right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's huge. And it's even more huge to a seven-year-old. So there I am standing, and I remember going picture painting that I recall of a black person in the whole joint, which was like, you know, we're the rest of the black people. And I don't know that I really thought it in that manner, but I felt it Mm -hmm. because at my home, we have pictures of black people on the wall. Yeah. So So it's like, it was a bit abnormal to me. Just going to different museums or seeing different pictures of art that they would show you in the social studies books. The only time that I would ever see pictures of black people would be black people struggling, right? So just that it's about time that you know the um black imagery and like black um portraiture has pushed forward to the mainstream of acceptance, even. Uh, even that among black people, because, you know, I know a lot of non artist black folk and they're not used to seeing these images. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like this is new to them, even though it's been around for like a minute. It's always been here. 
So I think it's about time that, you know, images of black people not within struggle and appreciate it. I, I completely agree, man. I think of one of your pieces, the best I have to give, uh, which is quite a large piece, right? And uh, shows a, yeah, yeah, a woman, yeah, yeah. woman and a and a child uh, sitting in her lap, and you know all the symbols and stuff and layers that you do, like behind it. Uh, tell me a little bit about that piece in particular, and continue to like talk about um, referencing that representation piece. All right, that that piece is the um, centerpiece of a, a triptych from a show I did called Valedictorian, and uh, the basis of that show was that. You don't always hear about it being valedictorian, even though there are tons of black kids who are valedictorian. And again, I teach school, um, I teach high school. So all of these things are just in my peer view, like at all times. We have a, um, and then like to the um, counterpoint of that, we have a couple of schools here in Norfolk that are predominantly black schools that like the kids, travel across city to like go to these schools. You would think mathematically there would be more kids that were valedictorian, mm. but, but they weren't. And I found that to be odd and it troubled me some, right? So decided to do this whole show that like talked about education and education in Norfolk and education in um, general. And the um, triptych was a student point of view, parent point of view, and teacher point of view. I used my nephew, one of my nephews as the student point of view. And um, that piece is called, uh, What Is It About Me You Can't Teach? Mm. And I got that title from uh, Dr. Eleanor Rodriguez. Um, she um, wrote this book by the same title. Awesome, 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 awesome teacher in person. Uh, then the um, right-hand piece is a um, teacher that I used to work with, and that piece was titled, or rather, um, is titled, What More Have to Do? The centerpiece was the parental piece titled, The Best I Have to Give. When parents send their kids to us, they send us the best kid they have. If parents had a better kid, they would send them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that's right. just what it is. Yeah. Right. So so when we accept people's children, it's this phenomenal responsibility. As a raw material, and I know this, this may sound crazy, but students as a raw material, teachers don't get to control that. So we have to work with the students that the parents send to school. And the parents send us their best. No matter what they're going through as a family, that's their best kid. No matter what the parent is going through personally, that's their best kid. No matter what the student may be going through, that's their best kid. And so there's this constant birthing. There's this constant rebirthing. There's this constant acknowledging of how important that parent-child, especially that mother-child relationship is. And this this woman that's in the piece, you know, she's a she was an actual parent. That's an actual student. That's her actual <laughs> daughter. And that, you know, and it's crazy her because she worked in the same school system. Mm. So so um even as a teacher, you're sending your best your best child 
to these other adults to care for them. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 and as teachers, we do complain. Um, um, as um students, we do complain. As parents, we do complain, but at the end of the day, we don't ask for who shows up in our classroom. We're simply asked to care for them, to share with them, and guide them, regardless of how they show up. You know, and I really wanted to um, get that point across that, you know, the kids, not all of them show up trying to wild out. It's a few of them that show up trying to wild out, but most of them, they come as they are, as the best form of a human being as they can. Like they are having a human experience. Right. And we have to acknowledge that. You know, so I thought it necessary to really speak from a um, parent point of view that, you know, I'm giving you who I have, man. Like, come on, like, you know, accept my child as my child comes. Yeah. And it, we need more people that kind of have that attitude about it where um, where you care. Like you you can tell how you phrase it and how you set it up and how you like evaluating the situation that you care about these people. Right. And that's the as no much doubt. as, as, much no as we can ask anybody to do in that situation where we are like asking you. To yes, it's a job, but also you have to have some kind of passion and com- and compassion for the people that are like sitting in front of you. You know what I mean? You have to be become somehow invested in their well being, and that's really all we need. You know what I'm saying? In order to get by, like their experiences outside of your classroom are going to shape them a lot. But the little bit that you can do as they're in contact with you, like is is a is a gift that you can give to people. Exactly. Exactly. And it's and it's crazy because first to say that experience on this planet, most of the professions have the same arc. You know what I mean? Whether you're a teacher, mechanic, or you make sandwiches at Subway, like there are some people that are just really great at it. Yeah. And then there are some people that's like just getting paid to do it. Yeah happens in school buildings and you know we as parents have to kind of understand that and students also have to understand that like i was i'm talking to my youngest son last week and he was like oh you know the teacher doesn't like me and i don't really care for her i'm like look bro look let me say this to you that's secondary mm. you know though it helps you are appreciated by your teacher it helps when you have an affinity for the person sharing this information you know research shows that kids learn better from you if they like you i mean that's the, all right cool in the game but it's not gonna like you and you're not gonna like everybody and you have to try to use these times to practice that skill set of still performing to your highest ability regardless of who's standing in front of you you know um that's just what that is because not all teachers have a passion for it. Right. Right. Yeah. Not all teachers are made to do it. Many teachers are paid to do it. And it's just what that is. And it would be wonderful that if we all had that mythical teacher that just inspires us as a human being, the moment that we walk for that our teacher is excited to see us and our teacher is invested in us. And I would love that experience for every student I've ever taught. And I've taught thousands of people, feel me? 
Like I would love for everybody's class to <laughs> to like be like my class because right. I know that my class is dope. All right, my <laughs> class is dope. It is. I have grown folks watch me. I have grown folks to this day running up on me, no matter where I am, talking about stuff we did in elementary school thirty <laughs> years ago. All right, we used to do these dances and whatnot. That um, went, we had a <laughs> we had a thing called the line dance which was my way of teaching them about lines and like line weight and like line variation. Um, and I was like the type of teacher that I used the culture to teach the culture. So made up these dances and these 30 something year old people, <laughs> these dances. <laughs> so, 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 you know, I know, and this may sound crazy and it, may sound like I got a whole bunch of ribbons and horns to blow, but I have a dope classroom. You know what I'm saying? And it looks beautiful and it's got the colors and it's got artwork and it's got mud cloths and it's got all these variations of art and we play music and it's just, and it smells good. Like it's a wonderful place to be. But everybody's classroom is not that and everybody's teacher is not that, mm -hmm. and everybody's student showing up is not always ready to learn. Mm -hmm. But that's the best that that parent had to give, and we gotta rock with it. Hey, this is Shakara Marcus, and I am a dance photographer here in Atlanta, and you are listening to Studio Noise. I like that, man. I like that a lot. Tell me about another piece of yours um, called Brothers. Okay, Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a um, 40 by 60 on canvas, especially on like, uh, like a good um, 18 weight canvas there. Um, that piece, though it's not us, represents my brother and I, right? Represents my brother and me, me rather me and my brother. So one of the figures hands behind his back, like in his pockets. Mm -hmm. And then, hold on, pause, time out. This um, is the brothers that you're talking about. Cause I printed, yeah, like, no, yeah, that's it. Versions of brother. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's it. Because I'm actually looking at the very first one of us when we were like, four and six years old. Anyway, so <laughs> um <laughs> it's been a running theme to my art. Like I say, I like to like live my art life, right? Yeah. So that piece basically the relationship between us and um how we interact with the world. Uh the um one with the guy with his hands in his back pockets, he's kind of chilling. <laughs> he laid back. He really not worried about much. He's he's, he's like you know whatever. Um, then there's like the other guy represents me, and he has his arm across his chest, right, which is a slightly defensive position because I got to be ready, and that stems from how how um, we uh, grew up. You know, we didn't always have a two-parent household. Um, we were like latchkey kids. Park Place was cool, but it wasn't always, you know, gravy and great. It could be a little hectic. Mm -hmm. 
um, <clears throat> we weren't always at my grandmother's house, which was like, you know, safe haven, safe haven. So it's like whenever we were home alone, I was in charge and I was responsible. Like this is the 70s when people left their kids at home and it wasn't seen as neglect. And I know that that, that, that might sound a little odd, but yeah, we were also outside with metal cars and glass. So we lived, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's like whenever we were home alone, it's like I was in charge and I had to make sure things went right. And it's like, I just kind of grew up with that sense of protection, you know? And even up until, say like now, you know, I'm still protective of my younger brother. Uh, we have two different personalities, you know? And the way we approach life, I'm a, I'm a bit more stressed about it. He's a bit more chill about it. You know, he was more of like the unsocial person. Whereas I was more of the extrovert, like I'm chill around people, but then I'm going home and be by myself because I'm digging it. Yeah. You know, feel me? Yeah. You know, those, those um <clears throat> horses represent the strength that is necessary to have gotten through all of that. I remember I was about nine and um, there was this dude, it was like this 16 year old dude like messing with us. And it was me, it was my brother, it was a, um, a couple of kids that like my mom's best friend, you know, they all were just hanging out at the house and we were all outside playing. And so this dude is like, like literally messing with us. You know, leave us alone. Like one, we don't know you, <laughs> and two, you uh, you're huge. You're like this big dude. You know why are you messing with us? And so then, you know, long story short, they're like this dude tried to attack us, man. Oh lord! Like we are kid, and yo, people out here that are predators on kids. Yeah. And so, so what I did is. My barefoot brother, who um had on some white sweat socks, because we were because we had just come out of the house to play. Feel me? Um, I had on some light blue jean shorts with red stitching. I had on this nylon tank top with these um U-shaped designs going all on it. And my brother had on kind of like a little jersey looking little shirt from like the seventies. And I want to say he had on some white track shorts with like some red stripes and i walked us from ward's corner to park place which is i don't know about five miles maybe oh wow you know what i'm saying and um i walked us to my mom's friend house i felt like that's where she might be is that she was over there which was the mother of one of the kids, but they weren't there. So then I walked us deeper into Park Place because um, we had got to um, Villa Heights first. And so I walked us to um, Park Place to my um, grandmother's house. 
And she's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Why are y'all here? Where's your mother? You know what I mean? Shout out to my mom because it wasn't like she was gone a long time. It was like, you know, they had gone to the store. And uh, so mom happened to stop by my grandmother's house to drop off something before she was coming to the house. And she's like, what are y'all doing here? How did y'all get here? And so I told her what happened. And so she was like, do anything to y'all? And I'm like, no. She was like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. She's like, all right. So she got us all up in the car, took us um, back home to um, Ward's Corner over on um, West Kenmore Avenue. And apparently somebody had called the police because dude was in the police car. Oh, wow. When we got there. I guess he was messing with somebody else's kids. I can't really know for sure, but I do recall he was in the back of a police car when we got there. And um, my mom asked me again, it's like, did anything happen? And I'm like, no. She's like, okay. And that was kind of the role that I, you feel me? Yeah. Is that I had to, you know, protect my people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, so, in, in the so, way that you knew you know, how, right? Even as a little kid. In, in the way I knew how as a kid, you know, I'm like, yo, we got to get to safety. <laughs> I only know. <laughs> we got to go to grandma's house, yo. <laughs> we got to go to grandma's house. <laughs> now, <laughs> it never dawned on me, take y'all butts back in the house. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so... I don't know whether I had locked this out by mistake or what the situation was or or whether I thought he's going to know where we live. Like I have no, I I have no idea what I was thinking. And um, my brother had walked through his socks by the time we got to (laughs) where we were going. You know? Yeah, I know he was hurt that day. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He was mad. He was crying. I'm like, come on. Come on. You know? Yeah, that was up, man. Shout out to all the brothers out there, man. That was up. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, and so um, talk a little, a little bit uh the theme of the season of the show. So I'm talking to artists about how they make a living, how they survive as an artist. And so I know notice on your website uh, at ClaytonSingleton.com that you have right. like a nice section up there that talks about commissions. Like, and you, it's so structured with all the different levels and stuff. How much of of how you make it as an artist comes from doing commissions as opposed to doing what I would call gallery work, which is like all you like doing whatever you want to do compared to commissions? Like, how how do you break that down? I would say um, say I sell more work than I sell gallery work. You said say that one more time. That I sell more works then i sell works that i just create and then hang in the gallery really you know okay really yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah and and my reasoning for that happening i think is um because i am primarily a portrait artist Mm -hmm. you know so um people you know dig portraits of themselves and their families and so they contact me and it's like hey i need a portrait done and i'm like okay cool and so we like go through this whole uh, structure of how to like get that done, you know. Uh, though I do sell some work at uh, 
festivals that I just create out of my own intention and people dig them and they're like, hey, I need to have that on my wall, right? The majority of my work is commission work. That's interesting, man. Yeah, but I and I can see how um how that would work for you, especially like with the way that you render your figures, right? Uh this this mm-hmm. is not a commission, but I think about another piece. You had one called Brothers, but the piece called Sisters. Um right. and I, when I look at that piece and I see why people would think of you in particular in doing a portrait, right? Because you have like the level of detail inside the work, but then you also add the symbols. You add um this one had butterflies in it, but like you also have right. the detail of the the pattern in the scarf that was over the sister and stuff like that and the faces were right. well rendered. So I can see exactly how it's a one to one in terms of this guy is great with likenesses. I want a likeness. <laughs> so yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna holler at him to get it done, right? Like that, right, that right, makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. And then Some folks, you know, the image they give you, right? I want it just like this. I'm like, all right, cool, no problem. Then you have people who um, I enjoy where um, they send me a bunch of images. And it's like, hey, pick what you like. You mm, know what I'm saying? Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, because part of the um, commission process with me really isn't you just go on the website and you drop me an image and you pick the size and you pick the um, complexity level and I, you know, ship you something like three weeks later. A lot of it is conversational first. Just like we talk sometimes for hours, just having conversations. And, you know, I learned about who the person is or I learned about who the um, subjects might be. And then, you know, they kind of give me freedom to do some level of interpretation, right? And then um, there are the people that we have all these conversations and it's like, hey, I want you to do what you want to do mm. and put me in it. Fire, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, um, I, um, I have people that say, this is the um, constructed portrait I would like and I want us to be in this environment and I'm like, that doesn't exist. They're like, I know, but I want it anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right, cool, man. So I got to do all. So, so it's like, um, I have to do all of this research and do all these things to um construct and then put different people in different places and find heads and take pictures of people's bodies and do all of this Lego building, basically. You know, um, and then they're like, hey, you want to throw some symbols and some flowers in there too? Do that. I'm like, okay, great. Oh, so it, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. So it's it's it's. I love that. Have seen me in both accords, so that so that I may be able to do something that's for them. Right. Right. You know that it's um not just a likeness that you could get many other people to do, but that you're coming to me because you want how I might be able to do it. Right. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's right. They want a Clayton Singleton. They don't want just, you know, any old person. Right. Which is crazy, right? Which is crazy. Like it's like it's it's that is so many people what they do not exactly what I do, which is just phenomenal to me that I can 
like eke out some measure of difference that makes it stand alone for the person that wants one. Right. You know, because like, because like hundreds of thousands of works of art, I've seen tens of thousands of works of art in person, and I've seen work that just blows my mind. It's, it's just beautiful. And then I see people stretching themselves, right? Just like, 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 um, when I first got introduced to your work, I've seen just in like the past five years or so this growth, you know what I mean? That it's like expanding. And I'm like, that is so dope. And just for somebody to say, out of all the options, let me. Mm. And listen. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like bowing, I feel like I'm bowing my head as well as beating my chest. It's like, yo, out of all the people, out of all the possibilities, you want to choose me? Thank you. I appreciate that. What time it is? How long did it, do you think it took for people to actually give you that room, like develop that kind of trust? Because I would assume that, like, immediately everybody wasn't like, Yo, throw some throw some dinker symbols in it, like you know what I'm saying, and do whatever. Right, right. Like I'm so yeah, I'm assuming that your first, yeah, assuming that the first wave of people were like, I want uh uh my grandmama in a gazebo with a horse <laughs> and a unicorn, uh with a rainbow and a and a river flowing from her hands. Like yeah, I'm assuming like you know to to, to me <laughs> to me I always think of this story of the one commission I did way back in the day that was a portrait. And I, you know, went all out, did everything she asked for, and she still didn't like it. And so right. it's like, yo, what could I have done <laughs> like to do that? So I'm fascinated by people like you that are like not only develop um the skill in kind of certain customer service part of it, right? And the interaction right. to do it, but also develop the level of trust with the people that come to them that allows them to do what they do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I I I think it's a combination of like a few things. I think I've been pretty consistent for um, the years, mm -hmm. right? I think with me, what you see is what you get. Like, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not trying to scheme anybody. Um, I say it's going to cost this. That's how much it's going to cost. I'm not coming to you later. I'm not, I need another 700. Like, I'm not doing that, right? So, so um, people kind of can believe and like have faith in uh my um intended actions i think that i think because i paint so much and that i've created a pretty decent body of work by now that they can see that wow um he's gonna really give me what i need mm -hmm. you know and i think that that's a big part of it plus two out in the area I've built a good reputation, I think, because I'm, you know, been here and I'm from here. And I was here before the art boom. I was here before it was cool, really. I was here when we were putting up tents and I was here when the shows got bigger and I've just been a fixture. So um, people have come to know me as that's Clayton. You feel me? So that has just given me the ability to try some things, yeah, and just, just, you know, try some things. And I think I've earned the trust of enough people that when they talk to somebody about me, 
they're going to share things that are good. And they're going to say, hey, you can like trust this guy with your image. You know, have I had somebody not like the work I gave them? Yep. I know two people right off the top. Like, <laughs> I don't want it. Wow. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, that ain't me. I'm like, yo, that is you. And I remember <laughs> this was even back when my mom was alive, right? Yo, it's so crazy. She was like, I'm going to like that. I was like, what do you mean? It looks just like her. She's like, yeah, I know. But she's not going to like it. <laughs> Man. Yeah, that's I'm crazy. I'm like, what? I'm like, why is she like, yeah. And this is almost a quote. It was like we ourselves differently than how we actually are. Mm. And I was like, word, okay, okay, that sounds kind of familiar when you were kicking game to me back when I was in my early teens. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> um, you know, and um she didn't like how I did her neck. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, but I was like, yo, this is the picture you gave me. What did you want from me? Mm. She wanted to put that filter on it. Wanted me to hit them with the filter. Yeah. You feel me? <laughs> yes, yeah. me. <laughs> Listen, I, you got to tell me you need the filter. <laughs> you got to tell me, hey, 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 Clayton. <laughs> them got you. You feel me? <laughs> you know, you're you going to look at every day. I, I'm a, you know. Yeah. Um. So, so it's like, that's when I started to really conversations with people about what they really wanted right versus what they gave me right you know because it you know because sometimes people's only picture has this crazy shadow on it gotta take that off you know sometimes people's um only picture is not in focus and you've got to kind of imagine it in focus you know what would it look like to stand next to this person, you know, and not try to be so experimental that you create this whole different face, but that you really, you know, just, I don't really know how to describe it, but just kind of believe the person that you're looking at. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know and, I mean? yeah, yeah. And I hope people understand that. Cause I, I get exactly what you're trying to say. Like it's, it's not, it's not just, it's not just, uh, a recreation of a photo like you you have right. to do other things to it like to make it somebody love it you know exactly. what I mean? like, yeah exactly exactly you 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 i you know what i try to do i try my best to incorporate the life of the person in the piece mm -hmm. you know like i really want to do it when i'm painting i'm thinking of the interview i'm thinking of the stories i'm thinking of how i Help when I was around the person or people, you know, and I've painted some pictures of some, you know, some um, some um on people that were were like in a bad way, and you know you you paint these pieces knowing that six months from now they might not be here. Mm. So, level of responsibility do I have this person? that was here on earth while I was here, what level of responsibility do I have to make sure that what they leave, that what we leave is honest? Mm. Like, it has to be honest. At the end of the day, 
the painting, the portrait, the artwork has to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, that's like a big deal. That's a big deal. It that's is. a really big deal. It is. It is. And I think that's what that's what people are looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah, I try my best to give it to them. You know what I mean? Oh, man, that's incredible, with, man. With yeah. Skills. That's incredible, man. So uh, after the Portsmouth, after the Portsmouth show, the Soul Finger Project, what do you got coming up after that? Oh man, um, I have a, a show in um, September titled Kim, and those are all paintings of my wife Kim. So I've had this show in my mind for like a few years now, and so it's finally going to happen. Uh, in uh, July, I have an um, artist residency down in um, St. Croix for like a month. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be real dope. That's, that's going to be real dope. It's, I'm going to be community-centered. We are going to create a mural as well as um, doing some teaching and workshop with um, children one week as well as with adults the following, the, um, following week. And then that third week, we're going to do a community piece uh we're like trying to actually get a school to like do that piece you know so it's it's gonna be really really great and um i'm gonna learn a whole lot i'm gonna learn i'm gonna learn so much while i'm there and i'm gonna bring that back with me and of course there'll be a show or at least a series that actually comes out of that experience yeah yeah Oh, cool. Man, that's amazing, man. <laughs> that sounds like a great summer <laughs> coming up for that guy right there. It's playing play signature, man. He, and you're making us all look bad, man, doing a whole show about your wife, man. Now, now you don't put the pressure on us other brothers. <laughs> you got the pressure on the older brother, man. Like, oh, man, Jennifer, you can't. My bad, my bad, my bad. That's like that, um, episode when the dude came in making all the like the wives swoon yeah i love it man i love it i can't wait to see it man it's awesome y'all tell everybody where you can hit you up at man i'll let me uh clayton hit me up on on facebook just i'm typing clayton singleton i pop up instagram is clayton singleton artist uh if you happen to find a post about love that's me too, but don't worry about that one. Go to the other one that reads Clayton Singleton, Clayton Singleton artist. You know, man, <laughs> uh, not to be confused with that other guy. Confuse me with that. You know, that was a little quick month long thing I decided against. Um, is um also if you're if you're on Twitter. Whether or not Elon Musk buys it or not, um, <laughs> yeah, hit me at um, um, Clayton can draw. You know, no, I'm sorry, Clayton can paint. I'm thinking about my man Carl. Um, Clayton can paint. That's what's up. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, yeah. That's what's up, man. Clayton, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. No problem at all, man. Thank you for having me. Man. This has been like really, really dope. I really appreciate it. And that's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the Bag. Big shout out to Clayton Singleton. Y'all make sure y'all go check him out. Support him. Get the commissions. He could put them adinkers in them. (laughs) So it's all good. I love it. 
next week on the podcast i'll be back i don't know with who <laughs> we're always giving you more we catch it back up but i got you don't worry about it and all my artists out there this is a little, a little pro tip for you back up your backup <laughs> wherever you keep your files make sure you keep two of them things yo i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> you want to keep making that noise want to save the noise <laughs> yo i'll holler at y'all next week yo peace thank you for listening to the studio noise podcast subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise follow us on instagram at studio noise podcast 